The Future of Mental Health, Part 3, A New Approach to Recovery. So in part one of this series, I talked about how the World Health Organization has set out a comprehensive 2020 to 2030 mental health action plan that aims to fundamentally change the way we approach mental health and how the WHO report explains that most mental health services have an, all, an entrenched over-reliance on the biomedical model in which the predominant focus of care is on diagnosis, medication and symptom reduction, while the full range of social determinants that impact people's mental health are overlooked. Um, in part two, I talked about the importance of utilising lived experience as part of any mental health support, utilising that experience that people who've been through mental health struggles in the past that, that they bring to the table. And now in this third and final part, I want to discuss the WHO's unique approach to recovery and what this actually means. But before I do, just a quick reminder, if you want to get my free report, Three Mental Health Myths Every HR Professional Needs to Know, just click in the details below and I'll send that free report over to you. Okay. So, biggest loser or biggest winner? Have you ever watched one of those dramatic weight loss programs? You know, the ones where uh, an individual loses around 50% of their body weight. Now, initially, this might seem like a, a miraculous achievement, you know, one that will be the, the end of the issue for the person and a, a ticket to a happier life. But as expected, with such dramatic weight loss, there's always the issue of excess skin. The skin stretched by years of carrying the excess fat, leading to the prospect of surgery to remove the excess skin. This part of the weight loss is, is the process pretty much inevitable, but it's rarely taken into account uh, in, by the individual initially. Uh, maybe they think that they'll be one of the lucky ones that does, doesn't end up with excess skin. I don't know. So, but in these situations, surely success would go beyond simple weight loss and encompass feeling great in your new body, lots of confidence, and most importantly, being healthy rather than reducing success down to just losing as much weight as possible. Now, when we look at our, our typical approaches to mental health, we, we tend to set the bar fairly low by aiming solely for a reduction of symptoms in the same way that the TV shows or those weight loss TV shows just aim for reduction in weight and often ignore health and mindset. Surely success should be much more than the absence of symptoms. Has our aiming the bar so low had a detrimental effect on the way we do mental health? The, the WHO's Comprehensive Mental Health Action Plan 2020-2030 encourages us to consider a new approach to recovery, one that sets the bar far higher and in a more, much more optimistic manner. In their report, the WHO state that their recovery approach aims to address the full range of social determinants that impact on people's mental health, including relationships, employment, living conditions, community, spirituality, artistic and intellectual pursuits. Obviously, symptom reduction would play a part in what they seek, but it just that wouldn't be the only goal they sought. The, far, the bar would be far higher and far more holistic. Some examples. Home Focus, a community outreach mental health service in Cork in Ireland, has explicitly an explicitly recovery-focused direction that focuses on the strengths of the individuals they work with and helping them develop, develop a recovery plan based on how they want their life to look in the future. Naya Dao, a community outreach mental health service in West Bengal in India, follows a holistic approach to recovery, one that puts the person at the heart of it and focuses not just on their clinical recovery, but also on their social recovery in terms of factors such as relationships, hope and finances. Empowerment is at the top of the list for the personal ombudsman service. That's the, the known as the PO service. It's a, it's a supported living mental health service over in Sweden. And PO's key function is to help people regain the skills and confidence 
to take charge of their everyday lives, as they believe that alongside the, re- the regaining of influence and power through regaining these skills, their possibility of recovery increases as well. Hand in hand, this is a supported living service in Georgia that aims to help its resident develop skills that make life more meaningful and also develop identity and meaning in life. Another example of rethinking recovery beyond mere symptom reduction is that of shared lives in southeast Wales, where their stated goal is to provide residents with an ordinary life where everyone gets to, commu- to contribute and have meaningful relationships and are able to, to be active, valued citizens. Hearing voices support groups, they, they bring together people who, who, obviously, as the name suggests, they hear voices. One of the symptoms is what's commonly called schizophrenia or psychosis. And they have, they have peer-supported meetings across many countries, and they adopt what they call the CHIME recovery process. CHIME's an acronym for connectedness, hope, identity, meaning in life, and empowerment. And hearing voices groups, they actually avoid the use of medicalized terminology like auditory hallucinations and symptoms and delusions, as their aim is to help individuals normalize, not medicalize their experience. The hearing voices groups are... Uh, They support individuals to develop their own explanatory framework for why they hear voices and set their own goals as to what they'd like recovery to look like. So that's interesting because they actually let them decide the explanation, the reasoning behind their voices, rather than being told what it means by a medical professional. So for many, this means learning to live with the voices rather than eliminating them, as many of them actually see their voices as being a core part of them rather than a symptom of an illness, and therefore many reject the notion of recovery from them. Holistic recovery. The World Health Organization placed emphasis on the importance of values, meaning and connection in our lives as we aim for positive recovery, not merely symptom reduction. This sea change reinforces their desire to remove the emphasis on purely medical solutions for distress, as meaning, connection and values aren't something that medicine can achieve. Recovery obviously means different things for different people, and the WHO are clearly emphasising the need for individuals to describe, sorry, to decide what recovery means to them and aim for that, rather than be told what recovery should look like by a medical professional. One person's recovery may mean reviving poor relationships, and others could mean reconnecting with family and friends, whilst others could mean pursuing a healthy, active lifestyle. The important thing is that they would be doing the choosing, setting their own path with the support of others. So it's not done by others, it's just done with the support of others. And according to the WHO, the recovery approach in this way embodies a complete paradigm shift in the way mental health services are conceived and run. The magic five. The WHO's concept of recovery is centered around the five following areas. Number one, connectedness. Community inclusion. Developing new meaningful relationships. Reconnecting with family and friends. Connecting with support groups and peer support. Number two, hope and optimism. Embedding the belief that life, that living a full life with or without symptoms is possible for all and that you are in the driving seat of your life. Number three, identity. Developing a sense of self-worth in the face of stigma and discrimination and believing that you are the expert of your life, nobody else. Number four, meaning and purpose. Rebuilding your life in a way that you choose and that is meaningful to you. The WHO states that, as such, this involves respect for forms of healing that can go beyond biomedical or psychological interventions. And number five, empowerment. To take control of your own life and be the master of your choices. So just to repeat those five again. 
Number one, connectedness. Number two, hope and optimism. Number three, identity. Number four, meaning and purpose. And number five, empowerment. So why the need for a new recovery approach? Well, according to the WHO, their new recovery approach has has emerged in response to dissatisfaction with the prevailing implementation of many mental health services and the provision of care which focuses predominantly on symptom reduction. The WHO's recovery approach takes a holistic approach, a holistic route to achieving its goal, as it clearly doesn't depend purely on mental health services and encourages individuals to choose their own path, whether that be through leveraging friends and family support, cultural, faith-based or even natural processes. It appears that the WHO believes that ongoing focus on the biomedical model is reinforcing attitudes and stigma around mental health. They mention still commonly held beliefs around those struggling with their mental health, such as that they're at risk of harming themselves or others, or that they need medical treatment to keep them safe. It's these types of beliefs that lead us to believe in what the WHO refer to as an overemphasis on biomedical treatment options. Another key difference in this approach to recovery is that it's not purely focused on curing people or making them normal again, whatever normal means. Instead, it wants individuals to describe what recovery or normal means to them and finding the support to make that recovery a reality whether that means being symptom-free or even learning to live with their symptoms. At the heart of things, the WHO appear to be advocating for an approach that's person-centered rather than label-centered, holistic rather than solely biomedical, and sees the person in the context of their whole life, not merely a broken brain, and placing them at the head of the table when it comes to decisions about their life. So across this three-part series, we discussed a new way of approaching mental health support, placing the biomedical model and its heavy emphasis on diagnosis, medication and symptom reduction in a group of support options rather than at the front and centre and towards giving equal attention to the social determinants of poor mental health. We've also talked about the value of leveraging lived experience to help us conceptualise, design, implement and deliver mental health support. And finally, we've talked about the new, higher, more optimistic conception of what recovery means and the importance of allowing individuals not experts, to decide what recovery means for them. So how will your organisation align itself with the WHO and this new sea change? To successfully move in this new direction, organisations may have to rethink many of their existing practices, but now they can do it with the support of those with lived experience, those employees who have experienced struggles themselves. This dual approach increases the chances of success of the support service and therefore the return on investment in terms of reducing absenteeism, presenteeism and staff turnover. Those empowered by their workplace leadership to adopt this new approach, which seeks seeks hope, optimism, meaning, identity and connectedness from their struggles, appear more likely to thrive than those following the old symptom-focused, biomedically-focused model. So I hope this three-part series has been useful for you. And don't forget, if you want to receive my free report, Three Mental Health Myths Every HR Professional Needs to Know, just check out below. There's a link below. Give that, give that a click and I'll send you over my free report, Three Mental Health Myths Every HR Professional Needs to Know. Speak to you soon.